It's time to celebrate the greatest team sport known to man, where modern-day gladiators collide all for the glory of the gridiron. We'll talk some college football on Cougar Sports with Ben Crittle. Welcome back, Cougar Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Crittle broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios. LesSchwab.com. Save up to $250 right now and select tires wherever you roam along the Wasatch Front. Mention ESPN 960 for VIP service, VIP discounts as well. This college football segment going to be brought to you by Dental Pros of Utah, dentalprosofutah.com. If you've been told you need a filling, crown, root canal, all I ask you to do is get a second opinion at Dental Pros where they utilize the biomimetic techniques. These are minimally invasive techniques to rebuild your teeth layer by layer so you don't have to settle for crowns and root canals the fake teeth later on in life. Choose biomimetics. Choose minimally invasive dentistry. If you don't believe me, check out the Google reviews. Uh, on occasion, I'll get people asking me, hey, can I get a second opinion from Dental Pros? No doubt about it. Give them a call, set up an appointment, and check out their Google reviews. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's talk some college football. Let's talk PFF grades and where we sit through two weeks of BYU football and college football with Max Chadwick. Follow him at Max Chadwick CFB, college football analyst for Pro Football Focus. He's also the host of the Preferred Walk-On podcast. Max, how you living? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir. Appreciate you hopping on. It's uh, it's uh, it, we're essentially three weeks into college football. What what uh, were some of the biggest storylines for you uh, through three weeks as you kind of evaluate everything that's occurred uh, over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest story in college football right now has to be Colorado. You know, this team that went one and eleven last year that not a lot of people expected to really be in contention for even making a bowl game this year. Uh, and Deion Sanders has really turned that program around. They have a, basically a completely new roster right now. They're 2-0, and uh, beating TCU, beating Nebraska. they got a game against Oregon in a couple weeks. Uh, they're the story of college football right now, uh, until proven otherwise, because they are just an absolute electric factory. And uh, I'm excited to see what they can do down the stretch now. Maybe Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter can be legitimate Heisman candidates maybe down the stretch of the season. Yeah, it's uh... – a. It is an intriguing storyline, isn't it? Um, how good do you think they can be? Like, where are you at in the Colorado uh, discussion as far as whether or not they're they're uh, they're going to be? I, give me, like, I guess, a projection, okay, as a win loss projection. Where do you think they end up? Yeah, so it, 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 it's interesting because you know, like I said before, they're a lot better than they were last year. I know there are a lot of people that are going kind of too far in the other direction and saying they're going to win. Uh, you know, maybe make the college football playoff and make the Pac-12 win the Pac-12 this year. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I think they're going to win maybe seven, eight games. But like I said before, I mean, they went one and eleven last year. So eight games, you know, eight and four record after one and eleven is an unbelievable turnaround. Um, so it, it look, it is a loaded Pac-12 conference. You can even make a case that the Pac-12 is the best conference in college football, which I don't know the last time that we've said that, and this definitely will be the last time that we will ever say that because this is the last year of the Pac-12. Uh, but, yeah, it is a loaded conference, so it's going to get a lot more difficult for them once they get into their conference slate. But, I mean, listen, they're still going to win, I think, seven, eight games, which is an unbelievable season for them after what they went through last year. Max Chadwick, PFF, here on ESPN 960. Let's uh, transition over to some BYU football talk. I don't know how much uh, you can take away from the PFF grades through two weeks, uh, but BYU's face Sam Houston and SUU. Uh, Sam Houston, uh, uh, most recently, 2021, was a, 
a national champion at the FCS level, made the jump, made the conversion over to FBS. They've earned it. They've earned that right to be at the next level of college football. Uh, SUU, uh, a revamped, a remodeled, uh, a restructured team. They, they, they almost took down ASU. Uh, but let's talk about this PFF grade for the BYU Cougars. Where do you stand? How did you think the, the BYU Cougar football team fared through two weeks? Yeah, you know, this first game against Sam Houston wasn't great. Obviously, offensively, the defense was was phenomenal in that game. And uh, the Sam Houston Bearcats, yeah, like you mentioned, they are an FCS school making the jump to the FCS level. But at the same time, like you said, this is a really dominant FCS school that really could have competed with a lot of FBS programs, which is why they're at the level they are now. So uh, I I still was impressed by BYU's defense in that game. The offense, obviously, King Slovis. Uh, was a little sluggish in that game, the 14-0 victory. And then Southern Utah, they looked a lot better offensively, you know, winning 41-16. to But that, again, is Southern Utah, an, FCS, an actual FCS opponent. Uh, so it, it's tough to take away too much from the first couple weeks, and I'm really excited to see what they can do this Saturday night uh, against an Arkansas team that I'm really high on. I, I think I have Arkansas in my top 25 right now. Uh, I think they are a very sneaky team in the SEC right now. So that – that being said, like you know, as far as the strength of schedule is concerned for BYU thus far, uh, maybe we don't know. Maybe SU is going to be a much better team than we think. Maybe Sam Houston's going to shock the world. They they you know had a close loss to Air Force this past week, but how, how did BYU actually grade out? How did their players grade out versus these supposed you know average to below average football teams at the FBS level? Yeah, so Slovis, uh, he actually graded out pretty well. He has an 82.2 grade, uh, so far this season, which is, is pretty solid. So, you know, he's a guy that I actually talked to Kings and Suamataia, uh, before the season, and he even was saying how excited he was to protect his blind side. And, uh, Slovis, like I said, same Houston game, a little sluggish. He had a 66.1 grade. And then Southern Utah is a lot better. He had like a 90 plus grade in that aspect. So, uh, Keem Slovis, I think has been, uh, a little up and down. He was fine in the first game against Sam Houston State, and then now this one, I, I think he was a lot better. But uh, it's going to be interesting how they do in this next game against Arkansas, like I said before. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Keen Slovis has been you know, about what you would expect from him so far. And then, obviously, the defensive side of the ball, Tyler Batty has been great so far this year, especially as a pass rusher. Uh, Blake Mangelson has also been really good. Uh, so they have two really good edge defenders right now. Uh, and then the secondary has, has impressed, too, with like guys like Jacob Robinson, uh, who's played really well in the, at, at corner right now. So, uh, yeah, Blake Mangelson and, and Tyler Battier are basically the two stars of that defense and the edge defender, and Jacob Robinson at corner has been the star in the secondary, I'd say. So let's talk about the BYU offensive line. There's two position groups right now that BYU fans are concerned about. It's the offensive line collectively and the running back room. Could you start with the offensive line and tell me how these guys have graded out, and then we'll transition over to the running back room. Yeah, sure. So the offensive line, uh, obviously, like I said, King Suamati is a guy that a lot of people are in the NFL community are super high on. A lot of people even think he could be a first-round pick at the end of the year. Um, so far, he's been okay. He's been uh, better as a pass catcher than he is as a run blocker. He has a 71.1 pass blocking grade and a 62 run blocking grade. Uh, Paul Mayo, the, the center who transferred in, he's looked uh, the, probably the best out of the offensive linemen so far. Um, he has a 68.1 grade. Uh, Waylon Lapuahu has, has looked pretty good at guard, too, the 69.3 grade, and especially in pass section, he's a 77.2 grade. Uh, and Connor Pay, a guy I really was high on coming into the year, uh, he has a 78.6 pass blocking grade right now. 
Uh, as a run blocker, it hasn't really been there right now. But uh, so I think you know, if you talk about the run, the run game for BYU and that being an issue, um, I think you got to point to the offensive line first and foremost, because as, as well as they're protecting Keen Slovis, they're not really creating that many avenues in the run game. And I think the big weak link of this offensive line, in my opinion, is Caleb Etienne. Uh, who's really not graded well at all through the first two weeks. And like I mentioned before, there's been a lot more difficult down the stretch of the season. He's a 49.6 grade right now. So Caleb Etienne is probably the weak link of that offensive line. But overall, the offensive line, great in pass protection, just not really good in, in run blocking right now. So from from left to right, and I know I, I want to involve Braden Kime in this conversation too because he's got some, some reps both games. Um I think he's probably got maybe a third, almost half of the reps at times at either right tackle or left tackle. Kingsley got a little bit dinged up last week. I know he was rotating with Caleb week one, but uh, let's talk about each individual's. I know you mentioned it, the collective run blocking grade for this group right now. Is it around the 50s, 60s right now? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, for basically most of these players, it's around the 50s or 60s, which is, like, fine. But, again, like, that's, that's a mark that you need to have a lot higher than that, especially when you're talking about, you know, going up against better opponents in the Big 12 schedule that you're going to have later on in the season. So, yeah, they're around the 50-60 range right now. And uh, BYU overall, I think the offensive line has got to be a lot better in that run-blocking aspect. How is, how is uh, Braden Kime graded out? Do you have a, a grade on him in both run blocking and pass blocking? Yeah, so Kime actually, he's done a pretty well in, in pass blocking. He has an 82.7 uh, grade in pass protection. But like in run blocking, again, he's like in that 60s range right now. So okay. uh, like you said, you know, he's not a, a full-time starter. But at the same time, he's, he's a guy that, you know, again, has looked good in pass protection. Uh, it's just the run blocking that they really haven't been able to create too many holes uh, for their running backs right now. What's the disparity uh, on Caleb Etienne, the pass-blocking grade to run-blocking grade? Sure. So Etienne uh, has a 52.1 pass-blocking grade, which isn't great. Uh, and then it's even worse as a run-blocker. He has a 47.4 run-blocking grade. So like I said, he is clearly, while everyone else is kind of doing well in pass section and not so great in run-blocking, Etienne has kind of struggled in, uh, in both aspects so far. What was his grade last year at Oklahoma State? Like, has he regressed a little bit from last year? He started in 12 games at Oklahoma State, and he was never benched. He, I mean, he, he, he played in a league that had, I think, he went up against, I think, thir- three first-rounders, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he, he, did, he, he did fairly well, I think, at least uh, by the eye test. But tell me his PFF grade from last year. Yeah, so he uh, he only earned a 51 grade from us last year. He did look better as a pass protector. He had a, he had a 65 pass blocking grade, which is okay. You know, it's not like it, you're in the 70s when you start getting to solid range 80s and above is, is like, really good, and then obviously 90-plus is elite. Uh, 65 is, like, okay. You know, what you could, you could survive with that. The issue with him last year, though, was as a run blocker, he only had a 39 run blocking grade. So he... He really struggled in the run game last year at Oklahoma State. Uh, he's, he's struggled even more this season at, at BYU so far these two, through these two games. Interesting stuff. Max Chadwick, PFF here on ESPN 960, breaking down the BYU Cougar football team uh, per PFF, getting to know this team through the grade, the objective grade that PFF has given them. Now let, let's take a step back real quick, Max. Tell us 
who gives these grades and how they operate. How do they how do they uh, watch the film, evaluate the film, and then grade on these uh, on these plays on these players when they may not know the play call? Give me some insight here. Yeah, so that's that's a good point. So this is you know I, I will say as much as you, as we're giving out these objective numbers, they are not perfect, and I I always try to caution people in using these as like a end all be all. But I do think they're the, probably the most valuable tool. Uh, in staff existence. As we know, football stats never tell the whole story, but I do think PFF grades and a lot of our other stats do tell a better story than a lot of basic stats to tell you. So, uh, yeah, I, what we do, I'm, I'm not a grader. Uh, I'm happy that I'm not a grader because it is a very time-intensive process. As you might imagine, you know, grading every single player on every single play in every single game can take up a lot of time, and our guys do an amazing job of doing it. So what we do is, we, you know, we watch every play, uh, and then they assign a grade to each player uh, on a negative two to positive two scale in uh, 0.5 increments. So basically, the best play you could ever make is given a positive two, and then the worst play you could make is given a negative two and a negative 1.5 and so on. Um, so, and then after that, all those are compiled together, and then they're made into a zero to 100 scale. It makes it a little more digestible for, for all of us at home. So. Uh, yeah, it's basically how we uh, how we do the grading. And like I said, uh, we do have a lot of people that uh, have been in the game before, that have played the game before uh, at the highest levels that do a lot of the grading. So it's not like it's just, you know, me or Joe Schmo on their couch assigning grades to players. Like I said, I, I probably wouldn't know uh, a lot of the assignments that these guys are going through. But we do have a lot of smarter people than I am uh, that are doing these grades. So I, I do tend to trust them more than uh, anyone else right now. Max Chadwick, PFF, here on ESPN 960. Let's go over to the running back room. What's going on in that RB room? Aiden Robbins, Deion Smith, LJ Martin. Uh, how do you how do you see it? How do you rate it out? Yeah, absolutely. So LJ Martin's going by the PFF grades. He has a, a 73.5 grade, and like I mentioned before, like that's solid. Uh, it's basically a, a pretty good level. He has a 75, basically, rushing grade right now. So he seems to be the, the guy right now. Aiden Robbins has struggled a little bit more uh, with only a 47 grade, and he also has not looked good at all in pass protection either. Uh, and neither has LJ Martin for, the, for that matter as well. So Aiden Robbins, I think, has struggled a little bit more. Uh, Deion Smith has not played uh, as much, but he's graded out at 62.7. So in my opinion, I think LJ Martin is, is the top guy, but they clearly are going with a running back by committee approach at BYU. Um, but if you have to ask me who I think should be the guy for for the Cougars, I think L.J. Morin, through two games, has proven that he's probably the most reliable one right now. Is that just like running, or is this run blocking as well? And kind of it, maybe even, uh, I don't know if, how many receptions they've had between the three. I think Dion maybe maybe have been targeted more so in, in the uh, passing game. But it, you know, how, do, how do you dissect the the blocking, the receiving, and the running portion of this? Yeah, so I, it's tough because it is difficult to, you know, assign grades, you know, when sometimes it's the offense, like I said before, the offensive line is, is really struggling in run blocking right now. So while maybe L.J. Martin or, or Adam Robbins uh, or Deion Smith are not really um, looking too great, a lot of that has to do with the run blocking that they're being given. Now, what we try to assign grades, and, and on the converse end, um, you know, you look at a guy like maybe Zeke Elliott, who's never really graded high in the PFF system. It's because the Dallas Cowboys offensive line for years has been by far the best in the NFL. So he doesn't really have to do too much uh, in order to get, you know rack up all the yards he is. But uh, some other guys that maybe don't play with great offensive lines, 
that break a lot of tackles and maybe don't put up the, the raw rushing numbers that Zeke Elliott was, uh, they grade out higher in our system because they're doing more with less, basically. So, uh, like I said, the LJ, uh, LJ Martin has really done, I think, the most with uh, the run blocking that he's being given right now. Uh, he's breaking uh, a tackles at a pretty solid rate, so he's probably that's why he's grading out so high. Maybe even though his raw numbers aren't as eye popping as maybe other running backs on college football. Yeah, LJ, a true freshman at that. I don't know how does he rank out really amongst the true freshmen that are run the football right now with the limited reps that he's received. Yeah, so you know, seventy three point five grade is, is pretty good. I I just look back at a lot of the other true freshmen around the country right now. Uh, I don't have that on hand, but I can tell you that 73.5 for a true freshman in his first two games is really, really solid. Like I said, 73.5 is, is a solid grade for a 60-year senior at that. So the fact that he's doing this at this high level in his first two games should have Cougars fans very excited about the future for him. Let me ask you this. Going back to the Kingsley Sumatia approach here, uh, he may have not graded out as well as maybe we expect a first-round NFL draft pick to to grade out through two games. He did get a little bit dinged up last week. Uh, you know, I'll have that as an asterisk. But are there times in which PFF is grading a a collective body of work over a season of a player that ends up being drafted fairly high, but has a fairly average or slightly above average, maybe not as good of a draft or not as good of a grade as maybe a a first-round draft pick? should have uh in your opinion yeah it sometimes, sometimes happens for sure and i i think kingsley is graded out at a level that uh he probably will will be in that range now again as a pass protector which is what he was great at last year too he's looked pretty solid in that aspect this year too especially against sam houston state uh he played really well as a pass protector so uh yeah like you said like it, it does matter you know the pnf grades do play a part uh, and how we view prospects, but that's not the only you know end all be all these prospects. Because Kingsley uh, is one of the biggest freak athletes in college football. I believe he's like number three on Bruce Feldman's uh, freak list, where he ranks the top freak athletes. And he had, I think, he had Sumatia running over twenty miles per hour on the GPS, which is just unbelievable for a three hundred plus pounder. It's unbelievable for a you know skinny wide receiver to do that, let alone an offensive tackle who's you know three hundred fifteen pounds. So. Yeah, Kingsley, I mean, look, he, he can get better for sure, especially as a run blocker, um, but he is a freak athlete. He's only a junior. Um, he's a really good pass protector, which is the most valuable part of an offensive tackle uh, right now. So, yeah, I think he could definitely be a, a first-round pick when it's all said and done. Max Chadwick, ladies and gentlemen, PFF is what he does every single day. Max, how, how can we support you, what you do, and how you do it, brother? Thank you. Yeah, so you can find it at pff.com for, for all my articles. You can follow me on Twitter uh, at Max Chadwick CFB. And then also, uh, we have a podcast, Preferred Walk On, that we're, you know, reviewing all the college football games, previewing all the biggest college football games, and, and posting interviews with a lot of the top players as well. So you can find that at Preferred Walk On wherever you get your podcast and also on YouTube as well. Do you have a PFF grade for, for coaches yet? No, that would be that would be awesome though. We do have some metrics that we can look at for coaches, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, co- uh, coaching grade would be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, we don't have that yet though. Got it. All right, Max, we appreciate you, man. As always, our pleasure. Thanks for hopping on today. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. That's Max Chadwick, and that was uh, a Dental Pros of Utah segment, college football segment. Uh, head on over to dentalprosofutah.com and learn about biomimetics, minimally invasive dentistry to rebuild your teeth layer by layer. Let them know I sent you. They always will take care 
of Cougar Nation. We'll go to break. Don't go anywhere. There's uh, still a ton to get to. All the news and notes of the day. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN 9. 